Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. of October. I'm pretty sure that if you filed an extension for filing your federal income taxes here in the United States of America, like today's the day. Today is the actual like deadline deadline. Uh, so anyway, if you filed a, an extension, which you know, I, I feel like it's my responsibility to keep people up to date on things that, you know, might have escaped their attention during the coronavirus pandemic and the shutdown and you know, everybody not even following a, a real calendar anymore. So for those of you not up to date on the days of the week. It is Thursday, also known as Blur's Day. <clears throat> so there you go. Hey, uh, in the control seat today, the manning the control panel of this uh, ship. Is it a ship? Anyway, uh, Nat Becker is back with us today, sitting in for uh, our accomplished colleague, Paul Perot, who's taking a couple of days off to celebrate his wife's birthday. So Nat, hey, welcome back, man. Good morning. I guess we could call this a ship. Right? I don't know. <laughs> People probably call it all kinds of things, but we shouldn't go there. So thank you for um, pushing all the buttons for the next couple of days. Of we really course. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Um, all right. So let's see. Um, news that I'm reading around the Internet today. So if you left your house, um, how far could you get in, you know, well, I don't know, a couple of hours, three hours time, three hours time. What's like three hours distance from your house? Well, that depends on how you travel, like three hours on a bike, not going to get as far as three hours in a car, uh, not going to get as far as three hours on a plane. Well, three hours on a space shuttle. It's actually not a space shuttle. I'm, I have misspoken. Sorry. We don't have those anymore. We have other things. We're like paying other people to drive us around in space. So yesterday, American astronaut Kate Rubens and cosmonauts, uh, Sergey and Sergey, whose last names I'm not going to try to pronounce. Um, they are obviously part of the Russian Space Agency. Um, they spent weeks in quarantine prior to yesterday's launch from a facility in Kazakhstan. So we have an American astronaut named Kate Rubens who uh, spent three hours on a uh, space vessel. I'm going to call it that. <clears throat> it's a SpaceX cruise Dragon, I think, although I, I'm not really know. We're outsourcing so much of this today. All right. Well, anyway, it only took them three hours to get there. I think that's pretty astonishing. They're going to stay for six months. They will be aboard. They docked at the space station. They will be aboard there doing some like bioprinting and DNA sequencing, cell growing tissue business of some kind. Anyway, it's really cool. And uh, it reminds me that there is like real stuff going on, even in the midst of times when we feel like there's not a lot of real stuff going on. Um, maybe one important headline from yesterday was uh, Melania Trump's kind of personal sharing about her own experience of the coronavirus. She took a very, very different path to uh, recovery than her husband took, but they are, you know, obviously not just different people, but their their ages are different. Uh, their life stages are different. Their um, 
Maybe comorbidities are very different. Okay, so uh, she also shared that son Baron had contracted the coronavirus shortly after his parents. Uh, Baron was symptomatic, asymptomatic, excuse me, and has recovered. Uh, Other big news, China and Russia won seats on the UN Human Rights Council over great opposition. Saudi Arabia did not uh, make the cut. But it's really important. We talk about the United Nations and we talk about human rights and we talk about human rights violators. Uh, China has got to lead the list of violators. And now they have a seat on the U.N. Human Rights Council. So that's uh, that's an oddity that we're definitely going to uh, going to be following. All right. I have got Ben Johnson waiting in the wings. He and I are going to do a review of the Senate confirmation hearings yesterday of Amy Coney Barrett, I I hope she's done. I hope it's a wrap. We're going to talk with Ben about what made his list of notable quotables, takeaways, moments to remember, honorable mentions, all kinds of good stuff like that. We'll be right back. Back from Acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. Ben, welcome back. Good to be with you. Good morning, Carmen. Oh, it's good to have you. All right. So because I follow you on Twitter, I know that you've been following the Senate confirmation hearings of Amy Coney Barrett. I know that you've been following them closely. So I'm just going to ask you, first of all, is it a wrap? Are they done? I I feel like they're done. Um, And what made your list of... Notable quotables or takeaways or moments to remember over the last three days? Well, the hearings should be over and everything surrounding Amy Coney Barrett's nomination should be wrapped up except for the votes and the final debate. However, uh, we thought the exact same thing during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings because you remember his initial hearings went very smoothly and suddenly uh, here came an ace out of the hole to uh, try and bring him down. Uh, it potentially someone along the line could come up with some sort of an allegation that people of praise is a, a cult group and, and that they were subjected to some sort of terrible torture at her hands or something uh, of the Julius Swetnick variety of allegations. It's kind of hard to imagine that coming forth at this point, but you wouldn't put anything and you never say never when it comes to uh, Washington, D.C. This should be it for her and it should proceed to uh, a very lopsided um majority vote in her favor. Even Dianne Feinstein said she was very impressed with her command of the facts, speaking without notes. Uh, she did a phenomenal job. So uh, really, as far as the majority uh, or the, the best uh, moments, I thought that, uh, of course, the highlight of the entire thing was Ben Sass's discussion of civics versus politics, uh, which happened yesterday, where he was talking, I'm sorry, two days ago, where he was talking about the difference between uh, a political event and a civic event where you nominate a judge, you aren't going for an outcome, you are going for a particular constitutional obligation. And so he did a wonderful job of explaining the difference between an outcome-based vote, like you would take on a piece of legislation where you're looking for a particular outcome, and appointing a judge whose job it is to apply the law. Amy Coney Barrett is obviously someone who understands the law and who uh, believes that it's her job to apply it. As she said very, very many times, judges are not partisan. They don't get appointed. They do get uh, confirmed by the political branches, but judges don't have campaign platforms. Uh, Several times they tried to pin her down. She did a wonderful job of pivoting and uh, of 
saying very many times that she's not going to be drawn into answering something that would then disqualify her from uh, sitting in or that would call into question uh, her ability to hear the case should it come before her on the Supreme Court. Uh, ben Sass, again, he did a wonderful job. His, his questioning yesterday was also very good, where he talked about the reason that judges wear black robes is they cloak themselves in humility. They are not to express their opinion. They are to express the opinion of the law. Uh, you'd also mentioned we'd had a back and forth a little bit about Josh Hawley. Mm-hmm. Josh yeah, I Hawley. like so these are guys I like. I mean, I mean, I like them because of the kinds of uh, the, because of the demonstration not only of their uh, concerns, but their comprehension of the judiciary, the difference between the judici- judiciary and the legislative functions and branches. I mean, I an executive branch. I I just. I appreciate that they seem to know what they're doing and why they're there. So that's a part of it. So, all right, tell tell folks uh, what Josh Hawley had to say yesterday. Hawley really hit two great points. One of them was that uh, throughout the entire hearings, the Democrats had tried to say, you know, Justice Scalia ruled this way on these important 5-4 decisions. Isn't it fair to say that uh, you would rule the same way that he would since you're both originalists and he was your mentor, you clerked for him? And she said several times, of course, that's, that's not um, – that's not the case. We bring a similar approach to the law, but I can't say how I would necessarily have ruled, and I might have ruled differently than he did. I disagreed with him at times when uh, I was his clerk. I never won an argument with him, but I disagreed. And Josh Hawley said essentially that uh, there were two points they were going after. First, they were trying to attribute the worst readings and the most draconian misrepresentation of Justice Scalia's opinions to her personally. And second of all, they were using uh, a statement that she had signed when she was leaving church one day about the right to life, sponsored by St. Joseph County Right to Life of Indiana, uh, just simply saying the life should be protected from conception until natural death. She said this was her private religious view. And Holly said essentially that uh, they were trying to impose a religious test by saying that anyone who holds this private religious view could not serve in the government. Yeah, and then I, I loved the way that she helped us understand um, the the legal doctrine of severability by an analogy to Jenga. That will stand up. That That is part of the conversations over the last few days that will actually stand up in terms of the uh, culture conversations. All right, Ben, you and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, let's let's take a minute to maybe share some thoughts on tonight's town hall events featuring – the president of the United States and the former vice president of the United States. Uh, This was supposed to be a second debate, but it's not. So we're going to spend just a minute on that before we turn our attention to an update on the Capitol Hill Baptist case, um, which is a religious liberty case before us right now as a nation. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continue my conversation with Ben Johnson. Hey, during during that brief break, um, uh, I Nat corrected me. Um, it's a Soyzex capsule vessel ship. That Soyuz. The, oh, see, I, I, knew I, gonna, <laughs> I knew I was gonna mess I don't it up. I know, that, well, which was immediately my question, Ben. Is this a ship made of soy, and are they now eating it? That was my question. So thank you for having a mind, mind that went the same direction, and now Nat is going to have to field all of the people who are going to now text me that that was the very unscientific approach to the conversation. Okay, so uh, Ben Johnson, back to uh, conversations about the intersection of politics and faith. 
Anything that you want to share in terms of your thoughts about tonight's anticipated town hall events, like dueling town halls, many people will be watching like split screens if they're going to be watching these. Uh, Joe Biden and President Trump each having their own town hall events in, in something that was originally, you know, going to be them facing off in a second debate, which is now not going to happen. Well, we really need a debate. Uh, frankly, most most presidential campaigns have had three debates, and debates can be a game changer. The first one almost never goes well for the incumbent. The second one or the third one uh, typically goes well for whoever is going to win. The fact that we only have two, I think, uh, deprives us of a lot of choice. Uh, and secondly, I think that uh, you have one on ABC, one on NBC, Biden on ABC, Trump on NBC. NBC is definitely going to get the better ratings out of this. I think that the president needs to find a way to get out of his own way and make the issue Joe Biden, not uh, what he is going to do or his his record on handling the coronavirus and certain other issues. All right. Let's talk about Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Um, You and I have discussed this case before, but there's been some uh, progress in the Capitol Hill case. So remind people what this case is about and why it matters. Yeah, Capitol Hill Baptist is in Washington, D.C., a Southern Baptist Church of about 850 people. And because of the coronavirus lockdowns, Mario Mario Bowser has not allowed any church to meet indoors. You can only meet outdoors, and uh, you're limited to about 100 people. The pastor there says that that's not what the Bible commands. The, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and therefore it means they have to meet in person. They've been meeting in Virginia because they have slightly uh, less restrictive laws over there. Judge Trevor McFadden, a federal judge, by the way, one of President Trump's judicial appointees and a Wheaton College graduate, struck this down. He said that uh, this violates the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, The mayor, uh, by the way, he said the mayor apparently encouraged Black Lives Matter protests, and that implies that the district favors some kinds of gatherings like protests over others like religious services. He said it's for the church, not for the district or this court to define for itself the meaning of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So uh, this was an excellent ruling for out for religious liberty. It says that the church and not the government should be able to determine where and when it meets. Uh, this will be appealed, I'm sure, But and, and the mayor had some uh, negative things to say about this, said that it misses the point of the order. But uh, what this tells us is that grievance-based speech uh, should not be more important than faith-based speech. Okay, and there are other cases across the country um, in relationship to churches and their uh, meeting together. Anything on any of those that you think is worthy, like an honorable mention today? Yeah, uh, well, we had mentioned Maxton versus uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. That's a slightly Mm. different topic, but uh, uh, Maxton versus uh, Fuller is is an important case about religious liberty. Uh, it's, it's one that you had uh, asked me about, and that is that uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, of course, an enormous multi-denominational uh, Christian evangelical seminary that has thousands upon thousands of students, was sued by two of them who were in a same-sex marriage. Of course, that violates the teachings of Fuller Theological Seminary, which has everyone who comes in uh, sign a statement saying that they will abide by a certain code of conduct and that they agree with their statement of faith. They sued in part because their lawyer, uh, an LGBT activist, said that he was hoping to establish that Title IX of the Civil Rights Act applies to seminaries, so that seminaries under the new understanding of under Bostock of Title IX uh, and, and civil rights legislation generally uh, would, would say that 
the uh, any, any seminary that would quote unquote discriminate against someone who is in that kind of uh, ceremony would be subject to uh, federal legal action. So uh, California appeals court ruled in favor of Fuller Theological Seminary. That's incredibly important because it says that the church and and religious organizations have the right to determine their own faith and their own conduct, and the government should not have any part in saying whether uh, the uh, church is following a correct faith or, or uh, trying to uh, impose a faith that uh, the government does not favor. The government should not be involved in favoring one kind of Christian faith over another. Ben, when we talk about um, our rights, we as citizens of the United States of America, um, we imagine that the rights which we consider an alien, unalienable or inalienable, um, we consider those to be rights that are universally shared around the world. But that is not true in practical experience. Um, when we talk about the freedom of speech, when we talk about the freedom of assembly, when we talk about the freedom of, uh, of religious expression or conscience, um, it, when we talk about uh, the freedom of the press, these are not universally recognized, accepted, nor shared values the world around. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to every once in a while circle back around to that reality and talk about the uniqueness of our experience here and why it's valuable. And particularly in a season like this that is so divided along partisan lines where we imagine that we have nothing to share in common with those uh, who are red or blue, depending if we are red or blue. Um, that's just not true. Our redness and our blueness all depend on a shared foundational understanding of these essential freedoms. And so can you just take a couple of minutes to wax eloquent as you're so good at doing um, on the value of the freedoms that we take for granted? Well, this uh, very topic came up during the hearings yesterday. I believe it was Josh Hawley who raised it, but it may have been Ben Sass. He said that through most written constitutions, there is a presumption against liberty which is that uh, you know, Antonin Scalia used to read from the Soviet Constitution and would have the right to petition, the right to assemble, the right of the press, freedom of religion, but it always had the exception, this right will be given except as it conflicts with law, which means that the government always has the right to override whatever right you have. What's unique about the U.S. Constitution is the idea that these rights are, the words you used, unalienable, they, which means they cannot be alienated from us or removed from us because the government does not give them to us. These rights are given to us by God through our shared nature as his children, and because we are all God's children, we all enjoy these freedoms which have been uh, handed down through the ages. Our government is unique in the fact that it recognizes these. We came at sort of the pinnacle of uh, Western Christian civilization uh, where we had a, a merging of philosophy and law and practice and a long struggle for religious liberty of people of all faith backgrounds, that all of us have the right to, to freedom of conscience, to worship God as we understand, uh, and, and that God will lead us into all truth. If someone has a, a heart that is yearning for God, God will lead him to himself. So uh, we don't need the government to come in and compel people to say they believe in Christ if they don't. Uh, and these unalienable rights apply to us across the board, and they don't in so many other ways. And by the way, it's that shared humanity that we need to come back to during these days of contention, where we're constantly, uh, we constantly have a desire to dehumanize or demonize people who stand on the other side of the political platform. 
We can disagree and disagree passionately, as we've seen during these hearings, and yet be respectful. Until, uh, I think, yesterday, no one had talked over anyone in those hearings. Uh, people were listening. People were responding. Uh, they were very respectful. And that's the way that we should conduct our our discussions as well, in, a, in a, an attitude of respect, with great reverence for God, with an understanding we're speaking to fellow children of the Most High God. Okay, Ben, um, we've had a listener who has raised a question that I think you will want to address, um, and I'm going to read it, um, recognizing that people can't see what I'm reading. So every time that this listener is making reference uh, to Black Lives Matter or the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the listener is using small case letters, Black Lives Matter. Um, so, Ben, I'm going to need for you to make a distinction between Black Lives Matter capital letters organizationally, with which you do have a problem, and Black Lives Matter small caps, um, because that the, the, they're hearing small caps when I think you are saying capital letters. So a uh, listener says, I'm convinced that your guest has a problem with Black Lives Matter, small caps, uh, even when the topic does not uh, uh, specifically concern Black Lives Matter. Um, so he he's mentioning it again. Um, he's demonizing them. Um, so I, I want you to clarify what you mean when you use the phraseology Black Lives Matter. And maybe when you and I talk, you're going to have to say all caps um, so that people know you're talking about the organization and organized movements um, of Black Lives Matter. So go ahead. Take it from there. Well, well, first of all, it, it actually is germane because it was cited by Judge uh, Trevor McFadden. So he's the one who brought them into this, uh, talking about the protest that Mary Muriel Bowser seemingly encouraged and how she undermined her own case uh, in this. So it was actually making reference to what he wrote, not uh, not to my own opinion here. Black Lives Matter uh, as a statement, is obvious and true, and it is grounded in Christianity. It's the faith that we all share, that Jesus Christ created all life in his own image. And that's irrespective. In Christ, there is neither white nor black, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all his children of the Most High God. The organization Black Lives Matter uh, is is very much a Marxist organization, and it's and it's determined to destroy the uh, nuclear family. In fact, they just put out a new platform, which I'll be writing about in the days to come, saying that they offer, quote, a new covenant. So uh, I think that that's highly problematic for a lot of things. I, I don't think that we need a new new covenant. The, the original new covenant is much better, and the person who promised it, I know that we can trust. I have no problem with him. I have no problem with those who are saying that Black Lives Matter. I believe Black Lives Matter, but uh, the organization is uh, one that is inimical not only to uh, American interests, but to the interests of blacks and uh, to the black family, especially uh, when it comes to uh, the, the greatest uh, uh, need in, in, uh, in uh, the black community. Uh, they seem to be most focused on uh, trying to undermine the strength of the black community instead of building it up. That's my big concern with the organization BLM. All right. So if you're listening right now and this is of concern to you, um, let me invite you also to go back and check out Ben's uh, explainer on this. What does Black Lives Matter, uh, all caps, believe? Uh, he posted it back in June on the Acton Institute Power blog. So you can find that at blog.acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. Ben, as always, uh, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate it. Always the best. Thank you and God bless. You too. We'll talk next week. We'll be right back. All right. Do you love Point of Grace? I do. Um, loved them for a long time. 
These wonderful women have uh, produced another book for us. It's entitled How You Live, Lessons Learned from Point of Grace. And Lee Capolino joins me next to talk all about it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Do you have a grace-filled home? Most of the time, I'd have to admit, the answer is no. Hi, I'm Mark Grayston with Parenting Today's Teens. A biblical definition of grace is this, God's undeserved favor and forgiveness when we've chosen to do the unforgivable. In human terms, it's the love and kindness and forgiveness you show your teen in the face of bad behavior or poor choices. Grace isn't easy to give. It's not cheap. In fact, it costs a lot. But we're called to be the hands and feet of God. That means we're called to offer grace even when we're dealing with a rebellious teen. And how do you know exactly the right time to extend grace? How about when it's least deserved? Mark Gregson is devoted to helping parents of struggling teens. For more helpful parenting resources, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. Parentingtodaysteens.org. like we should have had a point of grace song there to lead in so uh nat that gives you time while lee and i are talking to tee something up for the outros and intros when she comes back something from point of grace please that would be awesome okay lee capolino joining us from point of grace okay this is such a delight welcome 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 to mornings with carmen oh good morning carmen thank you for having me Good morning. Um, it's a joy to have you with us today. You've got a great new project with the other gals from Point of Grace. The book is called How You Live. Um, this is this is really delightful. You guys are just sharing lessons that God has taught you. Um, you're passing along to others what you have also received. It's a it's a conduit of grace kind of book. Just talk about this project with us. Absolutely. Well, you know, we are we all turned fifty. Um, a year or so ago, uh, we're all at the same age, born the same year, and we had just finished doing two records back to back, and we were at that place of, okay, what, where do we feel our next, uh, just our, the next thing that we feel like God's wanting us to do, and so we all sat down, and we were each at a place where we were mentoring other young women in our lives, and just kind of reflecting on the fact that um, Shelly and I have two daughters that are seniors this year, and Denise has two sons in college, and we just were at a place in our life where we were recognizing that it is our responsibility, the greatest responsibility as a parent, to pass the story down. Um, and how do we do that? What is a great way to do that outside of our home? And we thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to talk about those things that were passed down to us and those that helped us live our life as best we could and alongside God's grace and faithfulness and mercy. And so we um, we started talking to the wonderful people at Lifeway, and it turned into a treasure that I now hold in my office and can't believe it's complete and so thrilled about it. Well, it's just beautiful. Um, let's talk about the fact that it has a lot of blank pages. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Growing up, you know, uh, about 20-something years ago, I was under um, some wonderful godly influence of women. 
and through the Women of Faith Ministry. And I was so impressed by a wonderful lady named Lucy Swindoll who journaled. And she talked about how important it was for her to use all of her senses to recognize Christ in her life. And one of those senses was touch and writing it down, seeing his faithfulness. And she brought and showed me her journaling. And it was picturesque. I mean, it was a piece of art. Well, I had just had a baby and I'm like, Lucy, I don't have time for that. I mean, I don't have time to you know, decorate it with all this beauty. And she said, just start where you are. Just, did you go to a movie today? What about the ticket stub? Write the, put, tape the ticket stub on a piece of paper and write out, saw a movie today that inspired me. Just start with what you're doing in life today. And what did God teach you in that moment? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't, it can be short. It can be long. It'd be whatever, whatever you have time to do, but journal. So when we were talking about this book, we were very intentional about let's leave some space for those people that also have fantastic advice because we all have a story. And through that story, we hopefully walked away with some counsel that changed our life and that we can pass down to others. So that's why we left that space. We felt like it was imperative to give an opportunity, especially you know, like if you're giving this at a baby shower or a wedding shower, what what greater thing than to make it a little more personal and add that touch of personal, you know, personality if it's a grandmother to give to their granddaughter having their first kid. I love well, so, this. And so that's why we did that. So I have myself, of course, wondering, and I, I don't know if your mom, Robin, is still alive, is she? Oh, she is. Praise so I'm wondering, God, they're know, so all here's lost. what I'm wondering. Here's what I'm wondering. Like, does Robin take a copy of the book and fill in some of the blank pages before your daughter's graduation? Yeah, Just that's a thought. A fantastic. Yeah. Just a I thought. I hope she's not okay. listening. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the morning. Probably not. There you go. Probably not. Probably not. What a all great right. idea. What a great Really idea. fun, right? I'm talking with Lee Capolino. We um she is the if you're wondering like, okay, which member of Point of Grace is she? Because kind of we know them as a collective, she's the one with the brown hair. She's the brunette. Is there that an go. okay way of saying it? Yes. And I what has it, it been like to be the yeah, exactly. Don't you love that? Okay, so how do we how do we live as brunettes in a blonde world? That that just oh. might be an interesting conversation to have. <laughs> we should have added that chapter. That was brilliant. <laughs> you know what? I I really I I can't imagine doing life without the two blondes that I do life with. They are mm-hmm. fantastic. The the interesting thing is that each one of us grew up having sisters. And my two sisters were were blondes too, so I've always just kind of been the only brunette. But we we none of us had brothers, and so it was as if the Lord was just orchestrating, you know, the days ahead of of learning how to get along, learning how to work it out, staying committed, and you know, I I can't imagine life without my siblings. They taught me so much. As a matter of fact, one of my topics, one of my essays in the book, is about siblings. Mm-hmm. And um, oftentimes as married women and as moms, we forget about the other influences in our life that really help helps with the whole dynamic of our home. And for me, my siblings were a vital part of that as well. 
So I am talking with Lee Capolino. We are talking about this beautiful new uh, project. It's a book by the women of Point of Grace, How You Live, Lessons Learned from Point of Grace. I do have copies available. I know you all have been waiting, wondering whether or not um, I have copies, and I do. So go ahead and text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies we have in studio. It's a beautiful um, gift style book. That's the way I will describe it. The pictures and um, and the way that the essays are laid out, including um, blank pages for you to journal your own thoughts and pass along to the next generation of Christian women uh, your experiences of grace, points of grace in your own life along the way, all in this beautiful project. So go ahead if you're interested in uh, entering the drawing for one of the copies we have in studio, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Lee and I will be right back. Wake up to the sunlight with your windows open. Don't hold in your anger or leave things unspoken. That is Point of Grace. And joining me today, Lee Capolino, one of the women of Point of Grace. We're talking about a project that they have just shared with the world. It's a book entitled How You Live, Lessons Learned from Point of Grace. Um, Lee Capolino is here with me today. Lee, let's talk about um, let's talk about one of your essays. Is there one that stands out uh, to you as like this? This is one I'd like to lift up to others in this conversation so they can get a little bit of a of a taste and see of what's in the book. Um, well, there's a lot of them that you know, they're kind of like your little baby because you just kind of were very right. vulnerable on, you know, throughout the writing it down. But probably, you know, one of the ones that just describes who God is in my life is is really my my personal testimony. It's it's just the one where it describes God didn't turn his back on me. And um, it's, you know, it. it is a beautiful message of God's grace. And, um, so for me, it's the, it's, I think it is, I get it confused. I get the title confused with, um, one that's very, very close to ours, but mine is, uh, regrets and grace. Mm -hmm. And that's the one for me that, and it's, it's just potent because it's a it's a reminder of each and every day that I wasn't deserving of who and what Christ did in my life, but it just is such a beautiful uh, road to wear every day to know that I have his righteousness clothed over me. And I made, you know, I, I made some really bad choices. I grew up in a beautiful Christian home and wonderful Christian parents. And, but it's like, you know, it's like with anything else, I didn't bring Christ into all of my relationships. And it left me with a, a relationship that I made some really bad choices and um, unfortunately didn't have the courage to do the right thing as a 19 year old girl pregnant. And I chose the wrong thing. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I chose an abortion and, um, 32 years later, it still is. It's, you know, it's not easy, but, and, I, and I've shared my testimony for years and years and years. And 
I think the older I get and the fact that I have a 17-year-old daughter and you don't, you pray against strongholds in your family. And I mean, this is real life. It's, it's real life and raising up children in hopes that in, in the dark places of their life, they'll lift their head up and recognize Christ is with them. And they can, and Christ gives them the power to make the right choice. And um, so that story for me is still one that I, I want to share loud and clear. And it's, it's not um, a message of my pain. It's a message of his grace and a message of his mercy and what he does with broken things and what he does with ashes is still unbelievable and unimaginable to me. And so for that, um, that's probably the one that I want to ring true the loudest and for my children to hear and know the biggest, that is my biggest, um, well, that's, that's my testimony. It can't be disputed. So that is the um, Regrets and Grace essay uh, in Correct. the book, How You Live, Lessons Learned from, Points, from Point of Grace. Um, Lee Capolino is with me today. She's sharing with us, um, and again, Lee, thank you. It, it takes courage. It takes, um, um, it takes an understanding that we all listen with a heart that understands our own need for God's mercy and our own experience of God's grace. And it also um, extends that mercy and that grace to those who don't know that even the darkest things can be forgiven. And, and here's the thing. Um, darkness is not, not dark to the one who is the light. And yeah. so he's able to fully redeem. And Absolutely. it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we don't still live with those tears. Mm-hmm. Like that's honest. Um, that's honest to God. And it's honest to our own experience with God. Um, mm-hmm. that we, it's okay. Like, right. It's okay. And, um, so, uh, Lee it's and okay. the other women it's of okay. point of grace share so poignantly in this beautiful new book. It is an honest to God, uh, journey with them. They are walking with one another, uh, by faith through all of the seasons of life. And they share that with us in this book. And again, it's just, it's just a beautiful effort. The title is how, you live lessons learned from point of grace. I do have copies available. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Um, Lee, um, before we let you go, and thank you again so much for being with us today. Um, talk a little bit about accountability, and um, because I just think that that's one of the things that as women we really need, but we don't often lift up as really essential. Oh, I, I, I believe, you know, we're in that generation of making sure that our physical bodies are intact and we work out and we work out. But one of the best exercises we could have is people in our lives that speak truth. Uh, not that, not that sugarcoat anything and not that politically correct everything, but people that really speak truth. And what we know about God's example of truth is it's wrapped in kindness and gentleness. And there's a way to do that is as a parent, as a, as a dear friend, as a daughter, as a mom, it's, it's, there's a way to do that. And for me, I have uh, one lady in particular that I talk to every week and we, she allows me just to, this this is terrible terminology, but she allows me to throw up on her and Mm -hmm. she is godly counsel that has, you know, that just speaks into my life. And 
sometimes what she has to say is is a little more painful than others. But accountability is, doesn't have to come in large numbers either. It just has to come with somebody's willingness to, to speak truth. And we are in a place in our life we need his truth. And we need to know that people have the courage to speak truth because accountability takes courage. We know that it takes courage. And um, so in order to um, have people accountable in your life, make sure you are one to be accountable to others as well. Lee Capolino, thank you so much for joining us today. What a delight. Um, and I look forward to uh, I look forward to the ways in which God continues to use you and the other women of Point of Grace uh, in my life and in the lives of others. This is a beautiful project. Um, and thank you so much for uh, for sharing so honestly uh, in it. So, Lee, thank you so much for being with us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. Absolutely. Thank you, Carmen. What a delight. We'll be right back. All right, as we wrap up this hour, um, it delights my heart. There's some conversations that just really delight my heart. That conversation uh, with Lee Capolino delighted my heart. I hope it delighted your heart as well. Um, maybe it will be a provocation today to write down your own essay about the points of grace in your own life. That's really what they've done. That's really what the women of, of Point of Grace have done. They have they have written down um, events, stages, um, surprises, disappointments, the things that they have experienced along the way, 25 years of ministry, 15 for Lee, but 25 uh, years together for the whole, um, the whole band um, and the whole effort. And um, there's a lot there to talk about. And if you were to sit down and think about a project that you could engage in um, for your own blessing and benefit and for the blessing and benefit of others, I'm wondering what God might produce in terms of little essays. Essays, they don't have to be long. Walk us through the points of grace in your own life and then pass that along to a younger person. Pass that along. Pass along to others what you in turn have also received, whatever those points of grace are in your own life. Um, What a delight to know these Christian sisters and to hear their stories. All right, we've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Peter Kapsner and I are going to talk about curses. That's right, in lead up to Halloween. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.